welcome to episode 302 of the Yellow Wallpots. I'm your host, Stefan Botsko, and today we will talk about what we have to talk about. Borussia Dortmund losing 4 nothing away to Bayern Munich. It is not going to be a pleasant episode, but that doesn't matter. We will do what we have to do. We are here reporting for duty. Hello, Matthias Zuk. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan Botsko. Um, well, until <laughs> you did your intro, I was doing fine. Uh, and now I'm sad again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine now, too, because there's an international break, which means I have paid zero sphincter's attention to football in recent days, which, to be honest, has been quite healthy to uh, just to push everything away. That all being said, Matthias, um, it was yet another shellacking for Dortmund, yet another historic loss, yet another game where Dortmund uh, yeah, was the joke of the day. Going to the Allianz Arena with a lot of big words. Men are Fußball. We have to play like men and all that. And then uh, Dortmund capitulated, faltered yet again. First chance and only chance way beyond the hour mark. Paco Alcázar off the bench having one good chance against a makeshift defense. So there's lots to talk about, Matthias. Um But why don't we start with the teeny tiny bit of positivity that we had. And that was um, Dortmund believing in themselves. Dortmund playing positive football. And yes, it only lasted 10, 11 minutes or whatever. Or until the first goal. But, uh, you know, it's easy to forget. But there was a spell where Dortmund actually dominated the game. and, And tried to attack. Yes, they didn't really exactly create goals or, or chances but at, at least they were pushing for it so um why why don't we start there yes why why don't we um you know uh so yeah i mean if you do the math what is that like 13 percent of the match don't we're better <laughs> than Bayern. <laughs> um well it kind of you know the start kind of reminded me of if we think back to gladbach or the first half against Inter, or the first half against Wolfsburg, where Dortmund were pretty good. And they played uh, on the front foot, and the energy was positive. But here's the big difference. You're playing against Bayern. You're not playing against Gladbach, uh, even though Gladbach are playing very, very well, as long as they don't play against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Wolfsburg or Inter, you're playing against Bayern. Bayern are... Just so much better. And if you're going to play on the front foot, you need to score against Bayern. And the other thing is those um, unforced errors or maybe a little bit less unforced against Bayern, but still those those lapses uh, that we did still see against Gladbach and Wolfsburg from time to time, obviously against Inter because Inter did take a 2-0 lead. Bayern are just ruthless in exploiting. Um, now, Inter were as well, but then Dortmund had a game plan in the second half and just completely took them out of it because there was no emotional baggage. I feel like with Bayern, it's the emotional baggage that's somehow the there. Lack of a home crowd. The lack of yeah, a home crowd or big- lack of any crowd. But, <laughs> you know, lack of that home support, that baggage that's been there for since the late 1960s, I almost feel like, um, 
it just it just all fell apart. But those first 10, 12 minutes, they were great. And and then obviously um it it wasn't so great anymore. So yeah, it's it's kind of here's the thing for me. I always expect to lose against Bayern. Um simply because that's how we've been conditioned our entire lives in Germany. Okay. What hurt <laughs> me was A, the trends of both teams up to that point signified more hope for once. And this is an extremely gifted Dortmund side. And then what hurt me really, the indignation afterwards where someone said on Twitter, I forget who tweeted. So has Dortmund now become the highest foul when it comes to playing in Munich? And that really hurt because Hamburg always beat us. So what does that say? What is a bit annoying is um, that Dortmund got so timid after they conceded that first goal. The bit of confidence they had built from the uh, from the games before just completely went out of the window, and uh, it was just panic mode. But Matthias, um, also a couple of of just falls that that Dortmund showed. I, I think before the first goal, Hakimi lost the ball against two Bayern players, and then uh, Sancho you know, right to his own penalty area, tried to dribble against two Bayern players and, and, and lost the ball and then just stood there. And uh, that, of course, is very infuriating. This, to me, epitomizes why why Dortmund lost this game. Just uh, this lack of impulse, the lack of defensive instinct, the lack of tenacity, the lack of urgency to, to win the ball and and the last bit conviction. You know, if we, we will talk in a bit about the... Uh, shortcomings maybe tactically and and in other ways but um to me if we talk about the mindset that is the bigger difference between Dortmund and Bayern in this game is that Bayern have the absolute tenacity and go for every ball there are like three or four games in the season where Bayern even play that way which is why last week they Needed a lot of luck to beat Union Berlin at home. I think uh, there was a missed penalty or this would have resulted in a 2-2 draw. But the next week when, when Dortmund traveled to the Allianz Arena, Bayern Munich play like it's Champions League semi-final. They are up for it. They are burning and they are 100% there. And uh, I think Michael Zorg warned that it doesn't matter who the coach is on the sideline or whatever for Bayern, uh, would you know, be it Kovac or Flick or whoever, um, this would always have happened. Um, it's a shame Konstantin's not here today because there was a lot of I, I read a lot of his stuff this last week, um, and there was a lot of discussion. Obviously, the the cheap narrative um, or the lazy narrative was uh, don't want to have a mentality problem, and they ignore everything else. Uh, the the converse to that was. It's not about mentality. It's all about tactics and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I feel like Constantine kind of found a good middle ground by saying it's both. And, and that's what it is because it's sports. Mentality does play a role in your performance in sports. If you're not up for it, you're just not going to play that well. Even if you're the greatest player in the world, it does not matter. But at the same time, obviously, if you go out there and you play a more passive style, um, and you don't keep up with things, then then there's a problem. Now, I do, I don't remember if it was Favre or said it, but it, it seems that 
the way Dortmund performed was not exactly to the instructions given from the touchline. It seems like Favre wanted to play a more high-energy, high-paced, aggressive style, but that the Dortmund players didn't quite do that, especially after conceding. And that, to me, even though we're going to talk about Favre a little bit later on, but that, to me, adds a dynamic, a problematic dynamic uh, that... that that's really there because we can't say Dortmund lack a strong character or mentality. They came from behind against Gladbach. They came from two goals behind against an excellent interside with a great coach. And they outplayed the, to that point, uh, undefeated and best defense in, in Wolfsburg, who have since then completely fallen apart. But that's, that's for them to figure out. Um, so they they obviously can do it. Even last season, the first half of the season, coming from behind against Leverkusen a few other times and last second goals to win or rescue a point, they're capable of doing it. But somehow against opponents like Bayern, it's just not there. It's almost like they say, well, we're going to lose anyway. Why even try? I don't know if that's true, but it sure as shit seems that way when you're watching it unfold in front of you. It's almost like they're like, hey, you know, if we get that first goal, yay us. Oh, man, they conceded. Well, well, at least we tried for 15 minutes. That's that's how it comes across. And that is an extremely dangerous visual to leave with your fans and obviously the press in an international break who just get to spend two weeks talking about how your coach is going to get fired your best players need to leave and you're a bunch of pansies mentally who collapse when anybody pushes you so it's it was such bad timing such bad timing yeah, that's that's true, especially when I was just very busy building up that narrative that Lucien Favre has done a lot of things well in, in recent weeks, which I obviously stand by because he did. And uh, you know, I you know, after rattling of the results that Dortmund had at the Allianz Arena and and you know, basically adding into the mix that Dortmund haven't really covered themselves uh, in glory when it comes to several revere derbies in the past, um well, we had a lot of epic collapses too. You know, I basically asked why did Michel Zorc fail to create a team that can beat Bayern and, and, and Schalke or at, at least, you know, play play like they have the power of will or whatever. You you know what I mean. Um that that was more of a you know, a bit facetious or, or, or sarcastic or whatever. Um but obviously the, the answer to that question is is actually not that hard. It's it's just that Dortmund cannot shop in the same category that Bayern can because of, of financial constraints. And in the end, that's to me what it little bit boils down to is that um, the top clubs usually have technical players on the highest level, but at the same time, money makes it for them possible to not only have good technical players, but at the same time, very physical players. And uh, Dortmund are just not in that category yet that uh, they can do both. So um, if you want to have, you know, if if you want to choose two, obviously to be a top club or or to get as close as possible, you will go for the technically gifted players. And um, I think this this is what it then in the end boils down to. 
is that Dortmund never really had a squad that could physically compete with Bayern or for that matter with Schalke, while Schalke never really had these uh, very technical players you know, in, in abundance, they have a very physical squad in recent years. And in the Revier Derby, uh, you know, these attributes matter a little bit more than in other games. So um, if I see how Bayern over 90 minutes really bullied Dortmund, physically intimidating them almost, um, how Joshua Kimmich wrestled the ball of Axel Witzel, uh, of all players, and, you know, Thomas Müller was there hustling around, You could just see um, that that Bayern are very aware of of that physical component, and uh, you know, Acha Fakimi had a stellar night against Inter because he was playing in against Biragi, and uh, the same didn't materialize against Alfonso Davis. Not because Alfonso Davis is, is the great defensive mastermind, but Alfonso Davis is also very physical and uh, almost or just as quick, and uh, the attributes that help Akhaf Hakimi to dominate or or gain an advantage against Inter and so many other teams in the Bundesliga were completely void against Bayern and uh, that was just uh, you know a big problem because Dortmund no longer could rely on their own individual support priority that they usually have and as i said before dortmund made a lot of things better in in recent weeks but it also was uh you know still far from perfect and i still think the uh you know the the flow and and team chemistry and and all that is still very much uh you know there, there's a lot to be desired so when it comes to dortmund's pressing resistance in a collective way then Dortmund just don't have the quality at this moment. Maybe this can develop throughout the season. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of question marks, obviously. But um, as of now, Bayern won this game because Bayern players threw themselves into duels, had the physicality and, and the edge to, to win the ball in, in many you know, crucial tackles. Because I think... What Bayern did is they also played with a lot of risk. There was a lot of forward checking and, and forward defending and, and whatnot um, that that really uh, worked for them. But had it not, Bayern would have had so much space to play into that uh, Dortmund surely would have taken advantage of. So a lot of uh, crucial challenges is just what you know helped Bayern to to win this game and and Dortmund uh, in key moments to to miss the dribble, miss a pass or whatever. So that to me is is where it comes down to. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, speaking of Hakimi, you know, it helped against Biragi because obviously Biragi is weaker than than the opposition against Bayern. It also helped that Biragi was isolated on the wings, given how um, interplay versus the way Bayern played. Uh, the other thing that obviously didn't help Hakimi on that side was the fact that he had Jaden Sancho ahead of him more often than not, and Jaden Sancho. Uh, obviously, let's just say he didn't cover himself in glory, um, and, and that's being extraordinarily nice to the kid. He was atrociously bad. I mean, managers don't, unless you're Bob Bradley, managers usually don't sub players off before halftime. Um, when, after 36 minutes, Lucien Favre decided he's had enough, he finally took Sancho off, First reports were like, oh, you know, it's injury prevention. But he basically came out and said, no, 
He just wasn't good enough. He was bad. And he was bad. He was horrendous. And we're going to talk about him a little bit more later. But Sancho alone does not make the loss. There are multiple issues behind it. I think you spoke about the tactical stuff. And that's where it does come down to the manager for me. His instructions, I think he was caught in two minds. He was indecisive about what to do in those moments. And and I think that... Um, that translates to the side, you know, they, they, you feed off of your coach. I mean, look at Freiburg, um, their success also bleeds Christian Streich. That is not a Champions League caliber squad. There are enough teams below Freiburg that are way better than them talent wise, but they're flying through there because Streich, even if they're down five goals, he'll still push and he'll still try and he'll still scream and he'll still be energetic and things like that. And Favre displays a more passive, a uh, little bit more understated pers- persona, which he is. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But in situations like that, you gotta be a little bit more. You just have to, to win those games. And Favre in his career, more often than not, has not been asked to win those games given who he's managed. There hasn't been that level of expectation. Well, you're at Dortmund. There's an expectation to at least be competitive eventually with Bayern. Granted, in München, it doesn't matter if it's Klopp, Tuchel, Bosch, Stöger, Favre, Doll, Nevio Scala, you can go Hitzfeld, except for, I mean, think about it. I, I went through the results. The last time Dortmund won both ties against Bayern in the league was when Ottmar Hitzfeld was coaching them. It was either 91 or 92, or it was the 91-92 season, uh, which was coincidentally one of Bayern's worst seasons under Uli Hoeneß ever. And that was, you know, where at the end Stuttgart became champions, just narrowly edging out Dortmund and Frankfurt. So you have to go back that far to see a Dortmund side that really was better in two matches against Bayern, let alone one in Munich. And that's going back quite a long ways. Um, I don't know if you remember much from 1992, but it's been a while. And, and as such, I'm not surprised that Dortmund lost. What surprises me, or <laughs> it's that typical parenting sentence, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. And that's really what it boils down to. I think we're all disappointed. I think if Dortmund would have come out, would have fought, would have played with the level of energy and commitment that they displayed against Inter or Wolfsburg or Gladbach in the second half, and they still would have lost 2-3-4-0 or to 1, we would have been like, that pissed me off that we lost, but man, we tried everything. They gave it their all, and Bayern were just better, and that can happen. But when you capitulate so early and just let them do with you as they want, and that's what that came down to, that's where the frustration comes up. We're like, you didn't even try. Because even when teams like Freiburg or historically Mainz, if you think about Mainz under Tuchel, they would show up in Munich with a match plan and they would fight the entire match. That that That's something. Even if you get the shit kicked out of you, at least you fought. Dortmund just didn't do that again. And again, this has nothing to do with Favre. This has been a pattern for years, at least for the last three or four. And under Klopp, I will say this. Even if they lost more than they won in Munich, they never capitulated. 
They never were this passive, except for his first time in Munich. But that was a Dortmund side that honestly is a lower third table side at that time. I think we're going back to the times of Florian Kringer. Um, so it's it's been a little bit. Um, but that that's the thing that you want to see from any club that goes there, but especially as a Dortmund supporter. And that, for me, is the greatest frustration. I feel like that's the biggest frustration of the entire Dortmund fan base and players like Mats Hummels, who expects so much more. Yeah, I mean, there there is no other way to put it than this being massively, massively disappointing. It just... Uh, also, it's just the same story over and over again. Um, because, because Bayern don't do anything new or invent anything. There's not like they, oh, now they have created another tactical master plan to defeat Dortmund or anything. That's, that's not what's happening, really, to be honest. It, it's just every time Bayern just uh, outmuscle Dortmund are giddier to win this and then win. And, and decisively because, um, Bayern are relentless. They want to score as many goals against Dortmund as possible, especially, um, you know, <laughs> just, just from a logical standpoint, it matters. Uh, this is your direct competitor in the Bundesliga and, uh, you want to get, you know, the better goal difference. So, you know, we just had an eight goal swing in, in, in goal difference between Bayern and, 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 and Dortmund and it sucks. So, um, yeah. And of, and of course, you know, the worst part really is just from a Dortmund fan perspective that all this pain, you know, is inflicted by A, Robert Lewandowski. And then to add insult to injury, Mats Hummels needs to score an on goal. You know, why, why, you know, from, from the couple corners Dortmund had, why couldn't he score from there? <laughs> I mean, why, why does it have to be that Dortmund can't do anything? And, you know, the problem is now we all sit here. Oh, what could have been had Paco Alcázar scored this one chance? You know, just, just wondering would have been, had there been a change in, in Dortmund, would have they mounted a comeback? I honestly don't know if they had to be honest, because offensively it, it was just so poor. And I personally do not have any explanation for why Dortmund can't, you know, just do anything. Literally, with all the talent they have, just one shot in 90 minutes, doesn't matter against who. It's it's just so embarrassing and, and so disappointing and, and such an underperformance. It's hard to put in words, really. Um I think uh, some statistics showed two shots. Uh, the other one was that from Axel Witzel from, from a free kick, but he actually touched the ball when it was already behind the goal line. So, hmm, yeah, that, 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 that's just sad. Honestly, you know, uh, the, the corners, free kicks, even the set pieces that Dortmund had were all a fucking joke. There was nothing good, nothing original that could have caught Bayern off guard or or even led to a shot or a little scramble here. Um, I don't think Manuel Neuer had any real save to make or, you know, be, be caught into action apart from this one chance where Neuer didn't even look good. And, you know, it, 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 just, it just really annoys me. And I don't have an explanation for 
why why it was this bad. I mean, I can understand that you that you lose. I can understand that you failed to score a goal, but not even creating more than one chance over 90 minutes is just there. There's no excuse for it, and it's 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 frustrating because you have such a good team. You made summer signings. You have Julian Brandt. You have Torgan Hazard. You have Jane Sancho. All these players, Mario Götze uh, has has had better games in this life before, um, and it's just annoying. So, um, yeah, I I do wonder though, Matthias, if this level of annoyance does something with uh, the elephant round, as they called it, uh, when uh, I think uh, Watzke, Zorg, Kehl, and Zama, and and I don't know if, if Favre is part of that. I I guess sit all together and uh, deliberate about what to do next. And now after that de deliberation, we see a lot of rumors about Dortmund wanting to sign a striker in, in the winter. Do you think um, there's been a rethink that Dortmund have now finally realized, yes, maybe we need a real number nine, M not like Paco Alcázar, but some someone with actual physicality? Um. My opinion is that that rethink had already been started a few weeks ago uh, when Dortmund were kind of in their lull. I think it's a false narrative to take it in direct correlation to the Bayern match because I think if we would have swapped strikers, we still would have lost 4-0. Uh, because what good is a great striker if nothing's getting to him? If, if, if all the action's being destroyed in the middle of the park or in your own third, and then the striker has to drop super deep to help m deal with that, and he's not where he's supposed to be to score goals. So I don't think, I think anybody that thinks, hey, you know, if we would have had a real number nine up there, then a real target man or some bullshit like that, uh, that would have made a difference. Then there But this is, is how I, how yeah. I sometimes assume Hans-Joachim Watzke's brain works, if I'm honest. I don't. I, I think uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke is uh, fantastic. Uh, we have to thank him every day that the club still exists. And he's a very intelligent guy. The thing is, you can't forget about Akivatska is he's also from the area. This means a lot to him. You look at that elephant round, as we want to call it, those those heads, they all care immensely about this club. They supersede any player, aside from maybe a Marco Reus or somebody like that. But definitely any coach, aside from maybe a Jung Klopp, as far as how much they care and how much they identify with the region, with the people, um, and with wanting to win, if you look at Matthias Sama or even Sebastian Kiel, uh, whereas Zorc and Vatska, obviously, they breathe the area. And, and that's, that's part of our mentality if we look at it from, from, from a Ruhrgebiet Westfalen attitude is, No, this is not acceptable. This is, this doesn't work with our mentality, with our work ethic. This just giving up like that, uh, which is something that's more lived by the Schalke side right now with their manager, uh, despite everything above the, above David Wagner being kind of a mess. But that's, I don't believe that that is the result of this match. I think that is a result of seeing how things went. They, I wouldn't be surprised if they look at it. Ah, we don't need a striker. We were able to do it with, with Paco and, and Mario Götze. Um, and then they saw the development over the first half of the season so far and went, okay, no, we do need another striker because Paco and Götze are both 
sickness or injury prone or something like that. So we, we just need more depth in that area. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I don't think they're going to go out and shell 30, 40, 50, 60 mil on a big name striker because I don't, that, that's not the DNA. And I don't think that's going to alleviate any of the issues. Um, so I do believe that discussion was had, but I don't believe it's, correlated to this match per se it just kind of looks that way probably as reports or whatever got leaked out or rumors came around oh it's because of this match i don't believe it's because of that match i think it's because of the trends that they've seen over the last six seven weeks yeah maybe uh i don't i don't know i honestly you know uh to me there, there are a lot of question marks right now and uh you know, I'm also a little bit torn on the whole Lucien Favre issue, to be honest, because I I think that he he's a very good coach and it, it will be very hard to find someone better. But at the same time, I'm also not completely 100% happy with him because I have the feeling he is not the sort of coach that perfectly fits the club. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's not an easy subject, but uh, you told me before we started recording that you are now heading the commission of, of uh, finding a new coach or what, whatever is that na- commission's name? It's the search committee, the, the, the Dortmund <laughs> manager search committee. I mean, I'm saying that a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, and I like Lucien Favre. Um, I like Peter Bosch. I like Peter Stöger. Nice guys. Not so much Thomas Tuchel. I don't think he's that nice of a guy. Um, uh, whereas Jurgen Klopp obviously is a bit, a big personality. Um, and a lot, a lot gets compared to Klopp. It's just natural and it's unfair to anybody behind, after him, which I said even at the time is you don't want to be the guy after Klopp. You want to be the guy after the guy after Klopp. Well, apparently you don't want to be that either. Uh, there needs to be a longer generational shift, it seems. Um, but the, and I was thinking about it this morning knowing we were going to record, and Lucien Favre is a very good coach. He uh, is very astute tactically, and he's great for, and this I don't mean this as arrogant as some people may think it is, for clubs of the level of dot, 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 Gladbach at the time, Hertha at the time, Nice at the time. Now, what I will give him is, especially with Borussia Mönchengladbach and even Nice, he elevated them so far that they were able to bring in better players and demand more. And really, what you're seeing now, yes, Marco Rosa gets a lot of credit, but a lot of that credit to me goes all the way back to Lucien Favre. You kind of got to leapfrog Andre Schubert and Dieter Hecking a little bit, but that, that groundwork was set by Favre. There's no doubt about that. He saved their ass from getting relegated. Yeah, he literally resuscitated. Um, yeah, them. they were Gladbach were done. dead in the water when Favre took over. So, and if it weren't for Marco Royce stumbling the ball across the line in Bochum on a cold, rainy night, Gladbach would have been gone. They would have been in the second division, and they would have not recovered. So the only you, you're right, literally correct, hundred percent bang on. If it weren't for Favre performing his magic at Gladbach, they would not be at the top of the table right now. They would be. Somewhere in the dumps, I don't know what would have happened to Max Eberl and, and, and such and such. And and all that success story that Gladbach is now would have just been, you know, I don't know. It's Also, Gladbach is, is not, not the sort of club that, that easily would have recovered because it's not like they, they automatically 
attract the, the, the big donors or whatever. So uh, maybe what happened to Hertha in the last five, six years is what would have happened to Gladbach. I don't know. Yeah, and usually I say anything that comes before the word but is bullshit. So, but I'm going to reverse that now. But <laughs> all that being said, Dortmund didn't need that. Dortmund, I mean, yes, we're always talking about Dortmund is still in a rebuilding phase and finding themselves and so on. But as a club, as far as expectation levels go, wages paid to a certain degree, egos in the squad quality of the squad, it far exceeds what Favre took over at Hertha, Gladbach, or Nice. And as such, the expectation is there to be at a higher level. He's very good at developing players. You can arguably say he developed a lot of these players to go beyond what they can do or be ahead of the curve. I think Jaden Sancho last season, that's a result obviously of Lucien Favre, in my opinion. Um, but I feel like it may not be the right step because he's not it's not his wheelhouse to to be attacking from the front, but it's more to be understated and to work without the pressure because he had no pressure. There were no expectations at Lepach when he took over. They're like, geez, God, I mean, maybe we'll survive. And he did also thanks to beating Dortmund. I still remember that rainy match very, very well. Um when there are no expectations, he took over Nice. There are no expectations at Nice. They haven't been successful in donkey's years. So, uh, and Hertha was the same way. With Dortmund, huge expectations. Because the one year after Tuchel, when you had Stöger and Bosch there, was kind of that dip. He still made the Champions League. Miraculously, just because Bayer Leverkusen on the last match day couldn't quite get it done. Um, and maybe it would have been better if they hadn't have been in the Champions League just dip it a little bit more, a little bit less pressure to move forward. But there's just more pressure there. And I just don't know if he's that guy that can do that with with Dortmund. Maybe one step below is perfect. That's his wheelhouse. I just don't know if Dortmund is it. And right now, I mean, last season, missed out on the title by two points. I mean, let's be honest here. That was way beyond what we thought would happen. So we got to be thankful for that. But this year so far... It's been pretty flat, but honestly, aside from Gladbach, except when they play against Dortmund, it's been a flat year, oddly enough, with a lot of clubs in the Bundesliga. People are saying, well, Dortmund, they're out of the title race. No, they're two points behind second place. And that's, and granted, they're four points behind Gladbach, but there could easily be a dip for Gladbach going forward. And if, but if Dortmund don't win the title, I really hope Gladbach win it. I'll just put that out there. Um, so they're not out of anything yet. There's, they're still right in for achieving all of the goals of the season, except maybe winning the title. So it's not, it's not doomsday. Let's not throw away everything positive that's happened over the last few matches before Bayern. But this is a very troubling sign. And yes, there are a lot of reports I saw about Favre having until the winter break to kind of show a turnaround unless Dortmund make a change then. But honestly, to whom and who's going to get better results for the second half of the year? I think it's completely unrealistic that Dortmund fire Favre this season. Um, just because I don't see a better alternative that Dortmund can just draw out of the head, where I think they have the full confidence that this particular coach could bring Dortmund to a next level. Um, 
it's it's not like they have a Hansi Flick up their sleeve and uh, obviously Hansi Flick has to prove himself now too you know just beating your average slump buster that comes to town isn't isn't a big uh, achievement of Hansi Flick I think so um you know that all being said um here's the good thing Dortmund got shellacked but it's been what match day 11 so the good news is there's a rematch and it's at Dortmund and it's in a different stage of the season and you never know how things stand by then if Dortmund are on top or closely behind or whatever. But as as much as I think, uh, here we go again, Dortmund going to lose in Munich, going to get four, five, six goals. I always have the confidence that at the Westfalen Shadow it's an entirely different game and uh I think, if I'm not mistaken, Dortmund have won three out of their last six games against Bayern at the Westfalenstadion. So there's a good chance Dortmund will win the return leg, if you will, and the same goes for the Revier Derby and stuff like that. So I'm I'm quite confident, to be honest, that uh, this defeat can uh, be corrected this season so it's not like I want to be all doom and gloom and I think overall there there has been a positive development from Dortmund this was obviously a big setback but the good thing is um, after the international break Dortmund host Paderborn who so far have four points and uh, while I already dread the trip to Paderborn I think this uh should should be a game that that Dortmund wins, and uh, <laughs> I mean, de- dear God, if if they don't, uh, <laughs> that's just gonna reframe the entire th- story. But um, I I think um, we have to remain positive because there was an upward trend, and uh, you, you you can't negate that. At the other hand, Dortmund were far from perfect, but I still I still believe that uh, Dortmund are on a trajectory where they can develop in a you know positive direction and uh, overall um you know they are i i guess i don't want to call it mentality but but their their need to win these games will be uh you know reaffirmed reinforced and i think they will enter a couple of games down the stretch with a completely different mindset so um I I actually think and I'm still hopeful that come the international uh not the, the winter break uh that Dortmund are in second or or third place and and not far off the lead uh, if if not first um who who knows but in the grand scheme of things uh for now I'm I'm still quite optimistic if if I'm honest yes uh this game was terrible and uh, there needs to be some consequence in in one way or another form uh maybe by by you know eyeing winter transfers or, or or whatever i don't care but um you know it's it's not like everything is lost so um i i still have hope that this season uh can can be a very good one despite our bickering complaining which obviously is warranted after such a loss in such a fashion um but uh yeah i'm i'm still a little bit hopeful now um what I wanted to talk about a little bit is obviously the Jaden Sancho conundrum. Um, on the one hand, you're right, Matthias, that was an absolute nothing performance. And I think Favre did the right thing by 
subbing him off 35 minutes into the game. Um, we all wish Favre had done something like that uh, last season when Dortmund, um, um, yeah, had Zagadou on 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 the field, who really had had a terrible day, and by keeping him on the field for for longer than than uh, Favre had to, uh, you know, it 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 really, yeah, made matters a lot worse, and obviously it's not good that Jaden Sancho played the way he played. Um, completely missing the point. But on the other hand, we've all seen the images, how Sancho held his hamstring after the Inter game and uh, how he limped off the pitch and then five days later had to play at the Allianz Arena. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I still think um, having one training session after recovering from muscle injury um is is tough to to fully recover and uh, i think Gareth Southgate the uh, coach of the, the english national team said that he had a one on one talk with jane sancho for like 25 minutes or whatever and uh, they talked about everything and and basically he revealed that he's Basically, what what Southgate said about Sancho is that that Sancho probably feels that he's being overplayed, that he is physically not in the form that that he could be, and uh, that is something that I put squarely on Favre. I I still think that uh, while he has started to rotate his squad, I still and and I've praised him for it. I still think Dortmund should have done it far sooner. Uh, I think that Jaden Sancho has played too many minutes for his age. And and uh, he has a lot of responsibility at Dortmund because there are not a lot of players that can do the things he can do. And Dortmund were quite reliant on him, even though Sancho so far hadn't had a great season. Um, he still managed to find two or three moments every game where he created something for Dortmund that got points on the board. And uh, obviously that output has, uh, you know, soured and he is not as prolific as he's been before but i also think it's it's down to, to playing him too many times and and having a lack of rotation i think dortmund had a, have a lot of attacking players and i think they should utilize them and rotate them a bit more right from the get-go um because it's a long season and now we have match day 11 and you get the report that jane sancho feels you know, already the, the wear and the tiredness. And uh, obviously, we all want him to pull through and he's a professional footballer and he's getting paid a lot. But I also think that, that you know, with a, such a young player, you have to be very careful. That's all I'm going to say. And now, you know, every every morning, I basically wake up to a headline from an app telling me, oh... Jaden Sancho wants to leave and and Dortmund don't want him or want to sell him or or whatever all these stories now and um I I obviously haven't talked talk to Jaden Sancho so I don't know if if he really desires to leave the club or not but I think that's completely needless right now uh the summer transfer window is quite a long time away and I I understand that he's a coveted player and a lot of clubs want to sign him but um, we cannot afford to have this undercurrent of 
you know, atmospheric undercurrent of, yeah, this player wants to leave the club anyway and he's not playing with his full heart and whatnot. And obviously the performance in Munich doesn't help. Um, but I, I just want to warn that this is, this is not going to help if, if there's now a constant barrage of headlines, um, surrounding Jane Sancho and how much he, he wants to leave the club because that will only, uh, encourage the sentiment and every time he opens the internet he will just uh you know find a lot of toxic Dortmund fans and we can't have that so um yeah I I think uh you know keep keep things a little bit um you know don't don't overhype it I I think it's it's just normal that Jane Sancho at this age what is he now 20 or so is going through things so um yeah he'll he'll be fine Dortmund will be fine and uh I th- I think it's it's still smarter to not sell him in the summer and keep him another season and then make the big buck just because uh he's such a talent and it's very hard to replace him. I don't know what you think about it, but that's my two cents. I agree with you on a lot of things. Uh, I disagree with some of them. I think he will leave in the summer. I, I, I think he wants to leave. I think he wants to go to the Premier League. Um, I think there is a high level of immaturity there, which has been noted a few times in his behavior in his time there, which, you know, I think he's, I think he's not 20 yet. If I remember correctly, he's, he's barely not 20 yet, which when I think back to when I was 19, there's a lot of immaturity there. And you would throw in talent, fame, and a ton of money. It probably accentuates the immaturity at times. Which Yeah, you're I, right. He turns 20 in March. So, so I'll, I'll give him that. But there are two other young, highly talented players that don't want that. Played a ton. Then their form dropped off. Also, not coincidentally with a time frame of when they want to leave. And I'm thinking specifically, obviously, of Usman Dembele, but also Christian Pulisic. He was played a ton. And that wears on a player, especially a young player that's still developing, developing physically. Um, but then he also made no bones about it. He wanted to leave. He wanted to go to the Premier League, make his big payday, you know, and go to, to, to that, especially as an English speaking player, uh, as an American. And it's even bigger for Sancho. He wants to go back home, uh, to, to the UK, to England, uh, which I totally get. I, that's totally understandable. Um, I mean, we have Marco Reus, who wanted to leave Klepach for Dortmund. He wanted to go home, so to speak. Um, but still, I don't care in the sense of I understand you're young and there's immaturity, but you're still a professional. You're, this is your profession. This is your job. So you get your head straight and do things, quote unquote, the right way, whatever that means. But a little bit more. The fact that he's tired, I totally get that. We've talked about that a few times that Fava needs to rotate a little bit more, in my opinion. Aside from maybe a couple of matches here or there, I wouldn't start Jaden Sancho for the rest of the calendar year. I would bring him in as a sub for the rest of the calendar year, just so that he can heal, that he can rest, that he can get his head right. I think that's very, very important. And then you're you're back to normal come come after the winter break. I think that at this point is definitely needed. I'm not a huge fan of Southgate making that public versus I don't know if he maybe called 
Dortmund before that. I doubt it, but maybe he did and say, hey, just so you know, this is what the player told me. Uh, if he didn't do that, then I would have preferred him do it that as a professional courtesy to a colleague um, versus going through the press because obviously it makes Favre look really bad now uh, that he didn't somehow see this or did, isn't having these conversations with Jaden Sancho. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, uh, we're at that point with Jaden Sancho where it could go one of two ways. Obviously it'll either go, he'll calm down. He'll get his head straight. He'll get physically fit. It'll give him some time to rest. He's going to have a glorious rest of the season, or it turns into a total dumpster fire. And the, the, the media, especially the tabloid media in, in England and in Germany just go full on on this kid. And he plays into it. That's the other problem. If he plays, if he leans into that narrative of the petulant, the unprofessional young guy who desperately wants to leave because you can't forget there are a few other players that played for Dortmund that when they acted this certain way, they will, they were able to get their move. So, um, no, what I'm trying so, to say is I don't want to go down the exact downward spiral that you just described. Correct. That's, I don't think anybody does. I don't want to see. I don't want that either. That's all. I, I don't ha I, I have zero influence whether that happens or not because I don't know Jaden Sancho. I don't know what his desires are. Maybe he wants to leave and maybe uh, it's affecting him. Who the hell knows? But I'm just trying to say this is I, I don't want to have Dembele 2.0. I don't uh, think we will. I th I I consider I consider Sancho a little bit more professional because if it would have been Dembele 2.0 he would have tried to cash in after last season which was fantastic. The I the funny thing is I saw I think it was on Transfermarkt Sven Mislintat actually talked about Uh, the Dembele transfer and all the positives from it, obviously financially. But he also said Usman was the type of player on the pitch. If he wanted to win, if he wanted to do well, he did. And he used that same mentality of, I want to go to Barcelona, I want to leave Dortmund, and he did. He's just that type of guy. I think um, Jaden Sancho is probably, or not probably, he's, I, I strongly assume he's more amiable than Usman Dembele. He's probably a little bit better advised. I don't know if he's got a better head on his shoulders because he's also a kid, just like Dembele was or still is. But a lot of it is also about the people that surround you and the people that advise you and talk to you. And uh, so far, my sense is that Jaden Sancho has a better support team around him, getting him in the right direction. And I think Gareth Southgate probably is a little bit part of that support team where he says, you know, get get your head straight, do your work, get fit, have a great rest of the season with Dortmund, then we'll see what happens in the summer. I don't feel Dembele had that at all. In fact, he had the worst support team because he had Obama Young also in his ear talking to him. And we all know that Obama Young is anything but a mature representative when it comes to those kind of things. Yeah, I guess that is true. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just observing this from a, a not, <sighs> I, I don't I, I don't know I'm I'm just not paying too much attention in this international break I I'll pick up the slack when Dortmund prepare for Paderborn I I just can't right now I have uh, I have other matters to attend and until then I have a lot of stuff to do so I I'm I'm sorry uh so the uh, regular coverage of uh, the yellow wall on also written content will be back uh with with the end of the international break i i just don't have the time for it right now 
Um, it's it's just something that I I see and I dread because I don't need these um narratives throughout the season, which are obviously all there. I mean, uh, it, it can't be long until we hear about maybe Mario Götze's next destination or so because uh, he hasn't obviously uh, extended his contract. So let's let's see what's uh, what what happens there. Um, but. I don't know. It, it was just it was just a shit game. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to say that, but uh, it's 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 been pathetic and also quite annoying. And I I feel like we can just go back to previous episodes where we discuss these games, and and it, it it probably just all sounds the same with different player names. To be honest, I I don't know about you, but I I feel like it's it's always the same song and dance. So I don't know what else to say. Maybe we should just end it now. Well, I think we should, um, you know, maybe then think of a more positive time in in our lives as as Dortmund supporters when Dortmund played against uh, Bayern, and and uh, I did, I did. I just would have said Friday, yeah, Friday. Uh, <laughs> think back to last Friday when things were great. No, um, and and I looked it up again, and just to be a hundred percent sure, yes, the last time Dortmund beat Bayern. Twice in one season in the Bundesliga was 1991-92. And in fact, they beat Bayern in Munich 3-0. They beat Bayern in Dortmund 3-0. And scorers in those epic duels were players like Michael Rummenigge, Stefan Schapuizar, and Fleming Paulsen. So there were brighter times, even if it was 27 years ago. Who's counting? Exactly. Who is counting? Um, <laughs> um, very well, uh, spoken last words, Matthias. I'm, I'm glad you looked it up so we can all be hopeful that maybe in three years or so we can have a 30th anniversary and beat Bayern twice again in one year and then have another 30 year draw. Who knows what will happen next? Um, it's, it's always, uh, dynamic and interesting. So I hope. Everyone will tune back in when we will discuss Dortmund's hopefully successful game against SC Paderborn. And I don't know if, if there's a Champions League game to discuss, maybe against Barcelona. I don't know. I don't, I don't have it right in front of me, but I, I think there's that too. So excitement ahead, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we finally talked about it. We recorded this episode and now uh, I can go edit it and then publish it, and then I will never hear of it again or talk <laughs> about this game. So It was very cathartic. Know. It was very cathartic. So, Matthias, uh, I think I've said enough. I, I can feel that my voice is escaping me, so I will just say that uh, you can find me at Stefan Wotzko on Twitter to send me all uh, your uh, feedback, I guess, hate mail, whatever, and uh, you can now do the outro. Yes, yeah, so you can find me at Batiasuk, where you can send uh, your uh, positive feedback. No more hate mail. I'm done with hate mail. I'll block you if there's hate mail. I'm done with that. I'm too old. We already discussed about that before the pod, how, how ancient I am, so I'm just done with that. Um, but you can find all of us uh, on Twitter at YellowWallPod. You can also do the same on Facebook. Don't forget to um, catch us on all the podcast catchers in the world itunes soundcloud stitcher um 
Google Play, you name it, um, Spotify, we're out there. And obviously, you can also find us on uh, yellowwall.net, where we've got all of our great written content. And please check us out there. Uh, if you want to read some of that amazing stuff, just for $1 a month through Patreon, you can get exclusive access to some of the best written content about Borussia Dortmund. So um, until next week, where hopefully nobody gets injured in the international break, um, I am Matthias Huck. Oh, God, I haven't <laughs> thought about that possibility, the anxiety. Uh, uh, so, yes, I am Matthias Huck, and uh, he is Stefan Butzko, and you are the awesome listeners. Until next time, take care and goodbye.